What's up? What's up? How you doing? What up, man? Pretty good, Gan. What's going on with you? I know you're happy right now. Three thousand for Ethereum, baby. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Breaking news. Breaking news. Ethereum just broke three thousand. Uh, you know why it happened, right? It's because we were going to hop on this pod. And exactly. whoever's controlling the, the crypto markets knew we were about to hop on the pod. <laughs> and they wanted to break 3000 right now, right before you hopped on. So we could like, you know, boast a little bit. Yeah, of course. I mean, <laughs> the best thing about making predictions is, you know, on Twitter, I laugh about it. I think it's funny because it's like, if it doesn't hit 3000, it just gets lost in the feed, you know? Exactly. But, <laughs> but if it does, <laughs> then you get to throw up a GIF and, and, and you know. Give it a nice retweet, but um, yeah, pretty stoked that Ethereum hit three thousand. It was looking like it was going to. Uh, I'm I'm pretty amped. I'm very bullish on Ethereum, as most people know who follow me. Uh, what do you think about it, dude? I I was I was always big on Ethereum. Fifty um, percent of my crypto is in Ethereum, and um, it was the uh, you know it was just so funny because you were you made that bold prediction on Friday, three thousand by by uh, over the weekend. And yeah. I, I'm like weird where I have like a crypto app on my watch, my Apple watch. And I have it like t- showing on my home screen. So every time I would look at my watch, it would show me the price of Ethereum. And it was flirting with that 3000 all weekend, man. It was going, you know, I saw up to 2990 going back down to 2920. It just was flirting with it. And then it's seeing, seeing it break that 3000 threshold just right before we hop on is just perfect. It puts a oh, it's exclamation point to the weekend. <laughs> Yeah, right, literally right before, uh, you know, everyone going to bed. I mean, it, it could not have been timed better. If you guys are tuning in, uh, this is No Cap All Gains Finance Podcast, Market Tech Riffing with me and Zaid. Um, thank you guys for tuning in. This whole episode will be on our Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you name it, we got it. Um, YouTube. And then, and then YouTube. This is also live on YouTube right now. So... This is our second episode. We got a, a bunch of stuff we're going to cover, um, but we had to start it off, you know, with a bang, with Ethereum, crushing it. Um, now, Zaid, off to you. Dude, I'm so pumped, man. And okay, so before we before we get on too much, what are you thinking about Ethereum as far as like end of the year predictions? Are you thinking 5K? Are you thinking 10K? Are you just, are, are we going to see a slight correction now that it's hit 3k like what like what's the what's the move here in your prediction right now well you know with crypto and stocks but what i've definitely seen from crypto whenever there's this you know threshold that everyone wants to break with bitcoin obviously this past year it was like 50,000 was the number kind of the next number is 100,000 um that's the one that really everyone's tuning into i'd say i'd yeah. say with ethereum i mean it seemed like everyone was tuning into 3000 uh, specifically like this week. Um, I always have found that when it breaks a big threshold like that, there will be at least one time where it'll go beneath that threshold. So, you know, I'm not going to be buying right now. Um, not going to, not going to average up <laughs> yeah. for right now, but end of the year prediction. Um, who knows? It's, I mean, if you asked me last year, where would Bitcoin go? I didn't think it would be, you know, just sitting chilling at 55,000. So um, I'm just really bullish on all the applications that it has, all these companies, there's decentralized finance companies building on the Ethereum platform. Um, I also made and sold a couple NFTs and that in itself helped me figure out Ethereum super well. Like I could, okay, now I visualize this. I know what's going on here. So nice, man. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, I'm, I'm super bullish on it as well. I mean, what's the what's the term people use to describe it to to someone who's just getting into it? It's like a decentralized computer or something like that. Um, yeah, there's so many applications to it. Basically, every single blockchain application is built on Ethereum. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of problems with it as well, but it's just exciting to know. And like, I mean, the crypto space, man, like it's just it's just starting to get going. And I'm super excited to be an early investor in it. I mean, I I threw some money in there in 2017, like everybody else did, and I uh, I held on to it all these years all mm-hmm. these last four years and now it's starting to pay off so it feels good yeah. and uh i'm pumped to see where it goes uh and you have you're building a the ethereum miner man that's gonna be nice once you get that going <laughs> trying trying it's, it's going yeah. you know it's it's pretty tough but 
the other thing that's exciting about Ethereum is that, you know, we heard about Square, we heard about um, MicroStrategy, I'm probably butchering the name, um, blanking on the name. Uh, Tesla, obviously they bought Bitcoin. You yeah. know, no big company yet has come out and bought or told people that they've bought an Ethereum. So, right. you know, that could send it the next leg up. Um, and I feel like people, there are companies, you know, big name companies that might be buying it behind the scenes, who knows? Yeah, that's going to be the big news. If we like, you know, we get a breaking news from Bloomberg or someone saying JP Morgan just dropped, I yeah. don't know, $500 million into Ethereum or Morgan Stanley. Yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah, or there's an yeah, a, a Ethereum ETF coming or something. I don't know if that's happening. I'm just right. speculating here. But like that's that, you know, we haven't gotten to that hype cycle yet where Bitcoin has been having that hype cycle for exactly. the last six months, essentially. And so, you know, maybe, maybe this is just the beginning. Who the hell knows with the, with crypto, man? Who the hell knows? But like, it's fun. It's fun, like being part of it, seeing it, and you know, all, being a, all I all I do know, Zade, is do not ask Charlie Munger what he thinks about it because <laughs> you will not get the right the right answer. Let's Perfect go into that. Segue. I, yeah, right. You like that? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh man. So yeah. So Berkshire Hathaway had their annual meeting in LA. Did you know that there's an LA this year and not uh, Omaha like they usually do it? Yeah, I. I found that out as I, you know, was researching and going over. I it's pretty shocking. Was there what was the reason? Was it COVID related or just yeah, maybe maybe you know Grandpa Buffett just wanted to get some get some sun, man, out in LA. <laughs> I have no idea. I have no yeah. idea why they did it in LA. Uh, but yeah, man, there was a lot of stuff. Uh, I had a chance to look over some of the stuff that, that they were talking about over the uh, in the annual meeting, and uh, these 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 guys had some hot takes. Let's just say that. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, most definitely. I mean, Munger. Obviously, I mean, we've known he's been the more brash uh, when it comes to talking about his his investments and stuff like that. But he was in true form. I mean, like I have never seen him so like critical of like <laughs> not just Bitcoin. It was like Robinhood, like all these things like like was so he was almost like angry. It seemed, seemed like, I mean, is that a little too much to say? I don't know. No, I don't think so. I'm going to read the quote to you because I have the quote in front of me right now. This is what Charlie Munger, who's 90 years old, by the way. So like, you know, I, I totally understand him not getting Bitcoin because he's 90. So uh, yeah. what he said was, he says, of course, I hate the Bitcoin success. I don't welcome a currency <laughs> that's so useful to kidnappers and extortionists. <laughs> what? Oh my God. He, this is from words from his mouth. Yeah. Um, so this man was not holding back. He 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 straight up hates it. What, what I don't understand about that line, I mean, we we could break down the whole line, but the thing is, it's like, okay, people who have been doing you know criminal activity have been using cash, like as the main vehicle. Okay, yes, of course, like Bitcoin, you know, with the whole um, Silk Road and stuff like that had right. some you know really shady dealings and stuff like that, right. but. I mean, cash is still the number one vehicle for all those those things. I mean, Straight up, like, dude. It's not a strong argument. I, I feel like I could have made stronger arguments than he did against it. That I'm not as smart as Charlie Munger. I will never be, actually, right. for sure, guaranteed. Um, but I was like, what? I, I just didn't like the angle that he took. I felt like there were so much better angles to, to hate on Bitcoin. You know, or, you know, let's talk about, you know, why are these brokerages in some countries being shut down? You know, that those are the things as a bear um, to Bitcoin. You have a little validity there. But when, totally. we're, when it comes to things like that, I mean, you could criminals can use any type of money for their, you know, crime or whatever. The number one thing criminals use for for their stuff is the Benjamin Franklin, a hundred dollar bills. That's what that's what they use. So if Charlie Munger has a problem with Benjamin Franklin bills, then I, I then I guess he has a problem with Bitcoin. I mean you're right. He could have said something like, you know, the environmental impacts. He could have said, you know, that's that's an actual um uh criticism. He could have said something like uh if major governments ban it, you know, India has a ban, Turkey is cracking down on it. Is the yeah. US gonna ban it? Maybe who knows? He could have said those things. But instead, he decides to talk about how he hates the success because it's used by kidnappers and extortionists. All right, all right, all right, Charlie. I mean, I get it. You're, he's a genius.
but again, I, I excuse all of that because it's like, dude, he's 90 years old. He's not, I mean, you know, like out of, he's, he's an old guy. <laughs> out of all the crimes he came up with kidnapping, like that, <laughs> that's not the first crime I would think of when it comes to like exchanging money for some reason. Like, I, I don't know, but that's just me. Yeah. No, Bitcoin, I mean, I yeah, they're used for like those ransomwares, you know what I'm talking about, where they like infect an entire cities or, or a hospital's computer yeah. and they have to pay in Bitcoin. Yeah, he could have used an example like that. The yeah. man said kidnapping. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, man. So I thought that was funny. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I mean, like, Charlie Munger was in true form, was talking smack about Bitcoin. And I'm mm. looking right here. Um, Warren Buffett did not comment on it. Uh, I guess he didn't yeah. want to take any, take any shit like Charlie did. So right. that's fine. And then, yeah, Charlie was talking about how he, how he hated uh, Robinhood as well because it's uh, basically turning the stock market into a casino, which I'll be perfectly honest, I can kind of understand that criticism. There is That is actually a, a, probably a valid criticism, mm -hmm. but he's not looking at the positive side of that stuff where like these apps are allowing a class of people who may, maybe have never would have invested to get exposure and, and, and knowledge of investing at a young age. Um, a story that I always like to tell people, Gannon, is that like, when I first started investing, I was 18 years old. I was super excited to start investing. I had $1,000 saved in my own money. I put it into a Scott's traded account. You're probably too young to know what that is, but it was a broker. No, I know. It. Day. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You had to pay like five bucks per, per um, transaction, but I did it. I was so excited. And being 18 years old, I was investing in dumb, dumb shit. And I basically oh, yeah. lost most of my money because I was, I was stupid. But by, but by making those mistakes at 18, I became a better investor over time. Yes, I mm -hmm. lost money in the beginning. But I learned proper investing skills, what to look for, what not to look for. So to me, yes, there's people probably losing money, kids losing money on in, in Robinhood and other apps. But to me, that should also result in the positive thing. They're going to learn a hard lesson, and hopefully they're going to lose a little bit of money at 18 and 20 versus what they could have lost right. at the age of 30 when 30. they're, you know, yeah, exactly. So when it matters, to me, it's a, <laughs> when it matters yeah, when you, if you can't lose 10, 20, 30 Gs when you're 30 years old, that can hurt. It can set you right. back big time. You can lose a thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars at the age of eighteen and nineteen. You have plenty of time to make it back. So, yeah. he, I guess he's not focusing on that end versus just focusing on the negative, which I think is, you know, is is a fault. That again, he's ninety. You know, he's ninety. <laughs> so I get it. I mean, he, you know, he makes a good point about the Robin Hood thing, and I've been, you know, pretty outspokenly critical of some of the things that Robin Hood does. Um, but you know. The things that hit the news are, you know, the outliers. Those are, you know, kid, kids who somehow hit a huge trade and all of a sudden their account has, a, you know, 200 grand in it. And then they're doing right. these risky options and over leveraging. Right. And that's not the majority of people on Robinhood. Okay. Right. The right. majority of people in Robinhood probably have an account that has less than like $2,000 in it. Right. Let's say probably a far majority. And right. these are people who normally might not, not have ever gotten into the market, you know, right. and they're starting to learn. And there's the only way to learn is to lose, really, in my yes. opinion, um, yes. when it comes to investing in stocks, especially yes. speculating stocks. Um, and just, just true story. I mean, like when I started trading, I started with TD Ameritrade and it was about eight dollars, I believe, like six or eight dollars yeah. for commission. And as someone who is, you know, was young, didn't have a job at that time, it was like, dang, I hope this trade goes the right way. I'm already eight dollars in the hole, you know. <laughs> with yeah, with someone with a five hundred dollar account, you know, right. when I was at that age, like eight dollars, that's like whatever percentage. I'm already down. I'm already losing, right? Right. Um, right. So I won't lie, you know, when Robinhood started coming around and becoming the scene, I was like, oh yeah, of course, I'm gonna go with these guys, you know, because <laughs> uh, you know, free commissions. Right. Now, over time, I've switched back. I haven't used Robinhood in a long time. Um, and it, I think it really depends on the size of your account, in, in my opinion. If you're messing with anything above ten to $15,000, I, I say, hey, you might want to make you know a move here, especially when every brokerage now has you know, zero commission. Right. Um, but we know that's not free either. Right. We learned that in January, February, where it's the payment order <laughs> flow and all that, all that jazz. Uh, you're absolutely right. But I mean, like I said, I think there's harm for sure, but there's more good than harm. And I wish more right. people would focus on that um, than just focusing on the negative of like, oh, well, it's all people just treating the market as a casino. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that to me is a lazy point. Right. Right. Uh, well, they were, uh, 
you know, they're continued their bullishness on Apple. They said they actually sold some last year and they said that they shouldn't have done that. Um, he still thinks the Oracle of Omaha went on to say that Apple stock is a huge, huge bargain. It is indispensable to people. Buffett said the part. Yeah. He actually said that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's insane. Um, and he goes on to say a car costs $35,000 and I'm sure with some of some people, if you ask them where they wanted to to give up, had to give up their Apple, they'd give up their car. (laughs) You know what? He's probably not wrong. (laughs) I love my Apple products. I'm, 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 I'm a huge Apple fan. Uh, and I own their stock too. So I'm, 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 I'm happy either way. And he's right, man. Oh yeah. It's incredible. Um, moving on, you know, I think the one you did highlight it, the SPACs, I really think actually Munger kind of hit the head, uh, the nail on the head with the SPACs. I really actually liked what he said about that. Um, you know, this, that whole SPAC craze is obviously kind of come to a grinding halt. It's cool. Um, cooling off big time. And, you know, he had some good points that he doesn't like the fact that the way these SPACs operate is you're basically like forced within a two year span to merge with a company and it might not be the right choice or it might not be um, what's good for the shareholders or or the people involved. And we saw that with um, Bill Ackman's SPAC. I mean, he still hasn't found for uh, PSDH or I believe, yeah, they haven't um, merged. And he was looking around like everyone thought it was going to be Airbnb and then like Stripe, which would have never happened. Um, That would have been spicy. That would have never happened. There's yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> Stripe does not need Bill Ackman needs Stripe. Stripe doesn't need Bill Ackman. Trust me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and now it's kind of in a little hot water because everyone's like, okay, well, hey, it's been months now, and you haven't gotten anything. So yeah. I don't know. I think it's a valid criticism, and the fact that it's cooling off right now it probably points to that. You know, it, it, it's it's like with everything else that goes in cycles, and they had a pretty pretty heated what probably a good nine month cycle where like everything, especially. With Chamat just kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. being the flag bearer, just it, it, it was everywhere. And I understand there are some pros with it too. Like, don't get me wrong, there are some pros, but um, but Charlie Munger did a good job highlighting some of the, the downsides as well. Where like you're sometimes without your best job, with you know, you're making an investment or merging with a company that might not be the best investment because you're you're on a time uh, time crunch to, to to merge within two years. So like, yeah, right. uh, those are some valid criticisms. So so are you thinking so? Let's put our uh, let's put our um, uh, hats on of like making predictions. Are you thinking it cools off permanently, or are we going to see a, a revival? Uh, what do you think for the rest of the year? Um, I you sold, don't have to you don't have to make a, a, a prediction yeah. if you don't want to. No, 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 it's fine. I sold all my spacs besides Same. one, which is which was Open Door, just because I really like the company and 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 that's what I you know said to people is that you know. You don't have to sell your SPACs because SPACs aren't hot anymore. You should be selling companies because the why should go away. You know, the, the, you always hear the Peter Lynch why, right? Yep. Um, you know, some of these companies haven't even sold one product. That, if, if, when, when the SPAC craze was crashing and burning, you shouldn't be holding a SPAC that literally has not sold anything yet. Okay? Nicola, baby. <laughs> Shout out to uh, Nicola yeah. Motors. <laughs> Shout out to the graphic designers at Nicola. They yeah. really put the whole team on the back for the $45.35 that they made for the company for the quarter. Great job. I made more money than Nicola did this past year, actually. Straight up, dude. Was, yeah. I think they only made $36,000 or something like ridiculous. And this was a $90 low. billion dollar company at one point. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh so, my yeah, God. That, my prediction is I think we'll, it's going to find a baseline you know, point and it might just stay there. I think there's just going to be individual companies where it's just like, okay, this company is actually a really good company. There's a reason why they're doing this SPAC. It felt like for a second there, kind of these companies had no reason to be a SPAC, but they were just being a SPAC or, you know, doing the SPAC process because of the huge hype and the huge trend. Right. 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 So I think that's what kind of what happened. Absolutely. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to move on to one more thing that Buffett said, which I thought thought was hilarious. So if you remember back Mm -hmm. in like July of last year, um, everyone started digging 
on Buffett because of him selling all his airlines. He sold Delta, yes. I think America, maybe American. I don't remember exactly what other airline he sold. And everyone, I'm talking everyone on Twitter, um, Dave Portnoy, everyone was just beating up on uh, Warren Buffett. And uh, he said he doesn't regret it at all. He said he has no regrets on sell selling the airline stocks, even though those stocks have like 2X and rallied right. significantly since he sold them. The dude has so no regrets. Shout out to him for having no regrets. <laughs> He sold American, Delta, Southwest, and United, and it was valued at about $4 billion in December 2019. And the big thing about that was, you know, that was kind of really the first time where he really went back on his word. I remember when that was happening. It's like, dude, the dude's number one quote is, buy when there's blood in the streets. And he's like... Right dumping all of his stocks when like <laughs> there's legitimately a pandemic <laughs> and it was exactly like, wait, wait isn't this what you you know we're, we're preaching about exactly um, you know i think he's playing it cool he, you know uh you know these people aren't perfect i they're idols to me don't get me wrong i read all you know everything i can about them but they're not perfect you know they they don't have a, a you know magic eight ball that's going to tell them exactly what's going to happen so, you know, when people say, oh, I can't believe Buffett did this, 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 I make fun of it. But at the same time, it's like, I don't have a $180 billion portfolio to take care of. So if, if I did, maybe I would maybe go back on a couple of my quotes that I said <laughs> you know, when I was in Time Magazine or something. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I actually respect that. I mean, I think throughout his career, Buffett's generally like made really good moves. Um, but this one was yeah. so like public and like it, it like. It was like he went specifically against his word and everyone was taking his advice saying, oh, well, there's blood on the streets. Time to buy some airline stocks. Time to buy all these companies. And he yeah. doing the exact opposite made it really easy. It made, him, it made him a really easy target. And the fact that the stock rallied like shortly after he sold, it just right. the timing of it was it was perfect for, for jokes and memes and, and everyone. But, you know, he doesn't regret it. And actually, I, I can understand why he's saying that. Like, is business travel ever going to come back to even 50% of what it was pre-pandemic? I understand like, Consumer travel are going to come back. I'm myself finally taking a trip after not doing anything for a year, year and a half. But mm -hmm. is business travel going to come back? Where this is where airlines make most of their money is through business travel. So right. I can definitely see like the the case of like you know what airlines might not ever be the same that they were you know pre pandemic. And the other thing is with him, you know, it's not like us buying the airlines where we can buy it at five dollars and sell it at 26 and call it a day and do that in five days when these guys sell things it moves the stock right. uh significantly and so they can't make these short-term like speculative rebound plays that right. everyone was making they have to when they own something they kind of have to own it for for at least a couple months if not longer right and so you know he's thinking kind of more long-term like what you exactly just said is that does he think it's going to go back to where it was probably not for maybe a decade or maybe even two decades and the whole work from home situation, you know, that's could completely alter because there's, you know, we all know there's a lot of businesses that are just, Hey, we're, we're remote now permanently. Right. Uh, we like this better. And so he's probably factoring in those, those metrics and those factors. And he's just like, Okay, yeah, maybe I could get a quick, you know, rebound, but I can't sell like everyone else can sell. It's not that easy for them. Yeah, because they own so much that like they can't just dump it. Like we, you can't just right. dump it all in one day. It has to be a process, and it takes them weeks, sometimes even months, to kind of like sell them off in in, in bunches to where they don't significantly negative negatively impact the price. So yeah, absolutely, right. it, it's it's very true. It's not like again, it's not like us just going into our our. Broker Jack, Robin Hood, pressing, yeah, <laughs> uh, and, and just pressing a couple buttons and uh, and making a quick buck. You know, it's not. Yeah. Like, so I well, totally understand. One thing I will say too is that during the pandemic, like most of the investing legends, like Dalio, Dalio had a horrible year. Like, oh my god! Oh like, my god! A lot of the big name guys got destroyed. Uh, oh, they yeah. sold. They sold at literally the bottom, and so it was. It's not just you know Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett was fine because he bought Apple, right, um, right. you know, obviously. <laughs> but like, there was tons of big names that really got hurt bad. The only, except the only for one that, fucking Ackman, dude, baby. Yeah, except for yeah, <laughs> the trade of the all time. He really oh did. God. That trade was incredible. 
incredible. Absolutely. We'll have to do like a deep dive pot on just that freaking trade, dude. Yeah, seriously. It is absolutely incredible what, what Bill yeah. Ackman did. There's probably something shady about that too because what he did on CNBC, but we'll cover oh, that at, at a different time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's not a trade yeah. if there isn't, right? Oh, yeah. There's uh, always something shady happening in the background. <laughs> So yeah, that was a that was a, I, I'm, I'm probably gonna get a, try try to go watch some more videos of what happened in that uh, Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting uh, because I want to actually see Charlie Munger say those words about Bitcoin. I want to see him talk about SPACs and stuff. I just saw quotes, but um, honestly, man, like uh, I, I, it was a from everything I'm reading, there was a pretty pretty cool meeting, pretty pretty insightful meeting for all the shareholders that own Berkshire Hathaway, which is like. I've never looked at a Berkshire Hathaway stock, but it's like $300,000 or something. I, I don't know why they don't do like yeah. a stock split or something. There must be a reason for it. Well, they, they have class B shares, which are oh, like 270 okay. a share. So those oh, okay, are the okay, class, exactly. class A shares. Um, but what's funny too is that they were buying back a bunch of class B shares. Yeah. And I, I owned, I don't own BRK.B class B shares anymore. I literally sold this past week, but that stock price has just gone up and up and up. And I was like, what is causing this? Cause I'm like, Dairy Queen ain't selling that many more yogurts. Like what, <laughs> what is causing this? <laughs> and it was because they were buying their own shares. Buybacks, back. baby. The buy like, they spent oh, a lot okay. of money on buybacks. They yeah. spent a lot. Uh, and there was actually some discussion about that too in the meeting where like, you know, there's like uh, a discussion happening of like, are buybacks, you know, is that, should that still ethical. happen? Uh, yeah. Are they ethical? And then Munger chimed in saying that, yeah, buybacks are ethical. If, if you're, your sole purpose is not just to increase the price for performance reasons, right? To like just pay out certain bonuses and they're ethical. Um, if you're just trying to, you know, increase the stock price because you want extra compensation for management, then it's not ethical. Yeah. So, so yeah, there's, I mean, there's, there's a lot to unpack here. It's not a black and white issue like with anything else. Um, there's, it's never a black and white issue, but, uh, but yeah, man, the buybacks have definitely helped you yourself as a, as a, as a past uh, stock owner of Berkshire. Yeah. I sold it at the right time, I guess. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. I mean, who knows? Uh, it might go on a crazy run at the end oh, of the year, too. Yeah. Who knows? No, no, no. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that that stock, by the way. It's a great stock. It was just more of like a risk tolerance adjustment per se. So totally. um yeah, moving on. What do you wanna what do you wanna chat about? Dude, so let's talk yeah. about this drama. Uh wait, I was gonna talk about the drama between Roku and Google. Oh you yeah. wanna talk about that? Yes. Dude, okay, let me set the stage real you quick. You go first. You go all first. Right, you right. set the stage. So I was, I was uh, again, I'm also trying to make a TikTok about this. And this is like an interesting ass story, sort of, because uh, it's starting to happen a lot more. And we're going to probably see more stories like this. But essentially, Roku, everybody has probably has a Roku at this point. They make all those little devices, uh, the streaming devices that uh, we plug into our TV that has all the apps. You can watch you know, YouTube. You can watch uh, Netflix, Amazon. Everything is on a Roku stick. They sell them for like 25 bucks, maybe you know, all the way up to 100 bucks. Google has apps on Roku. They had agreements with Roku to have like, you know, YouTube app, the YouTube app. And specifically right now for this argument, the YouTube TV app, uh, the YouTube TV is like a service that you, that Google has that you can like pay what 65, 70 bucks a month to get yeah, cable channels there. essentially. Yeah. And you no, know, it seems like a pretty good, pretty good service. I don't personally have it, but I know some people that do and they love it. Well, there's negotiations between Roku and Google about keeping the YouTube TV app on the Roku platform. Hmm. Roku is cr uh, crying foul, saying that Google wants like data, more data on like users. They're trying to like they were they were they were accusing them of all this stuff. Yeah, oh, straight up. Um, and and Google's like, well, no, we just want Roku to like you know honor the same agreement that we have, and also maybe potentially if they can uh, it, make better hardware, so they can um, essentially it came down to they want Roku to make better hardware. So where the, the I'm not very technical on this stuff, but like. That's with the encoding of like the video that's being watched. If they can make oh, okay. better hardware, that'll reduce the amount of, um, uh, I guess, processing that YouTube has to do to like render the videos, and that will save mm -hmm. Google a lot of money in the long run. I'm not, I'm probably butchering exactly what's happening, but essentially that's what it comes down to: is like YouTube or Google wants Roku to make better hardware to allow better streaming, um, and more efficient streaming, so Google saves money on um, on cloud uh, on, on cloud. Uh, you know, on processing, but Roku probably wants more money or something from, from YouTube and, and Roku doesn't want to honor the uh, Google's agreements. So they just basically kicked off YouTube TV. I started ran, rambling there, but like, that's kind of yeah. what happened. Gannon, what, what, what's your take on all this stuff? Well, it's, it's, it feels like the app store, you know, this is kind of, it's going back to the Apple just kicking off Fortnite, like overnight their app 
straight up. Phone. And and it's it's pretty incredible because it, you're noticing Roku is carving out their space right now. Big time. One of the biggest regrets I ever made was not buying Roku. Ooh, man. <laughs> Stock. Okay. Uh, I wanted to, and I just never got around to it. Long story short, you know. And I just can't do it for some reason because it's, you know, it's, the price went up so much. But it's becoming more attractive to me now because it's just reminding me of they're doing exactly what Apple does, which is, yep. hey, we are essentially a smart phone but it's a it's a tv um we are destroying the competition it seems like in that scene i mean i my roommate recently just bought a tv and he's like i'm not gonna buy anything that doesn't have you know the smart hub or whatever it is the roku right um space because it's just like it's so much better it's just so much better right and um and I think that's why people are buying these TVs because it's, it's it's night and day difference, you know. Um, but I, I find that very attractive when I see them being able to just be like, no, not you. Bye. And it's like, whoa, like this this company has power, you know, to do that. And absolutely. You know, I mean, that's kind of essentially, you know, you are the puppet master now for these apps on, you know, they control the strings. I mean, totally. I I find this stuff super fascinating because it kind of reminds me of like what happened in the previous generation of entertainment, where like these TV networks or these uh these cable providers, you know, we, you know, Comcast, whatever, Directv, all of them, they would do the same thing with cable cable networks, where mm -hmm. if a cable network didn't play ball, they would threaten to kick them off. Um, right. So whoever, so basically, it comes down to whoever controls the distribution, whether it's Apple with their App Store whether it's Roku with smart TVs or whether it was um, cable companies back in the day that controlled the, the distribution of cable channels, those, those companies, if you, can, if you can solidify your power there, you have so much leverage. Um, oh, yeah. You have so much leverage because, I mean, if I have every TV in my house has a Roku, has a Roku stick or Roku software, Am I going to sign up for YouTube TV if the app isn't on the apps? If the app isn't available on Roku? No, I'm not going <laughs> yeah. straight up. So, what are are those all just those guys? Everyone's shit out of luck. Whoever had YouTube TV now, <laughs> like what? Yeah, if you if you have YouTube TV and That's you have insane. Roku, well, actually, so what they did was they actually they're starting to they're play ball a little bit. So Roku said they're not going to allow the download of the YouTube TV app anymore. So if you already have it, don't delete it. It'll stay, but. Anyone that's new coming onto YouTube TV that has a Roku, sorry, you're shit out of luck. That you can't, you can't wow. download Roku, uh, YouTube TV. Um, and again, that's that's the leverage that they're that they're using. It's all about leverage, right? That's the leverage that they have. the The thing that the thing that that is interesting though is that YouTube has or uh, Google has the ultimate leverage in in YouTube, like the actual YouTube app, not the YouTube TV app. It's actually two different um, apps. There's you, there's a YouTube app and there's a YouTube TV app, and yeah. so. What if Google was Google comes back to the table and says, "You know what, Roku, fuck you. We're gonna pull YouTube from the Roku store. We're not gonna yeah. allow YouTube anymore on Roku." I, I mean, I that would be crazy because like it's YouTube like mean is, girls. Yeah, <laughs> I you mean, can't seriously. Sit with us. Yeah, you can't. Sorry, like we well, screw you for doing <laughs> screwing us over earlier, and it, like that's really interesting because YouTube is one of those apps and and software like platforms that like. Nobody can live without. I would pick YouTube over oh, any sort of yeah streaming service over any sort of like you know streaming stick. Like I, if it was between YouTube and Roku, I would pick YouTube and buy a different stick. If if it came to that, if you got uh, this is a good question. I'm putting you on the spot here. If you had to not use one of these apps or websites for an entire year, and your choice, you had to pick one. YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, what would you choose? Which one would have to go and not be used for an entire year? Damn, that's a good one. I'd probably, <laughs> honestly, I'd probably say Twitter. I, as much as I really? love Twitter, yeah. I'm, as much as I love Twitter so much, well, fuck, man. It might have to I'd be. I'd go Instagram. Yeah, I was going to say Instagram. Because then you could play like, it off like, oh, yeah, I'm finding I'm myself. taking a break, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know I was what? off yeah. Instagram for a year. <laughs> yeah. You know I'm what? You convinced me. 
You convinced me. It, <laughs> they're all so great. I mean, YouTube is is YouTube is. I'm not leaving YouTube ever. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a tough one, man. But yeah, it it probably it would probably be. The thing is, I find myself like scrolling, aimlessly scrolling through Twitter so many times. I love Twitter and like all the you know all the the networking opportunities and all the connections you make, and it's hilarious and all the great memes on there. But there's times where I'm just like aimlessly scrolling through, and I'm like, ah. you know what I'm saying? Uh, whereas with Instagram, I don't find myself doing that as much because I know on Instagram, like 90% of the shit on there is fake. So I don't like right. really find myself aimlessly going through it. I'm actually getting pretty good with Instagram. Where I'm like, I hop on, find what I need, get my 15 seconds of dopamine hits, and then I'm off. <laughs> whereas with Twitter, I'm just like, oh, this is interesting. Oh, another funny tweet by yeah. Ramp, another funny tweet by Turner Novak. Like it just gets, yeah. you know, I can't stop scrolling. Um, right. So that's my problem with Twitter. Maybe I'll, I don't know, but that's that's a tough question, man. So I wanted to bring this up. Doge. We had to talk about Doge just real quickly. Mm-hmm. I know we talked about, we didn't see Ethereum. Or I mean, I guess I did, but not a lot of people saw Ethereum hitting 3000. I know we opened with crypto, kind of yeah. going back to crypto. But, uh, you know, with the whole SNL thing, I really think that there could be some sort of Doge joke involved. I mean, that has to be one of the things that they're coming up with, with, with Elon Musk being on SNL. And, you know, anytime people are talking about Doge, it goes up. I'm going to, my prediction is that I don't think he's going to talk about Doge. I think he'll talk about Bitcoin, but I don't think he'll talk about Doge because that's, that's, that's my prediction. Now I could be way wrong. And then, and then, you know, Doge goes to like a dollar 50 on Saturday night, Sunday morning. <laughs> but There's like, so much they can do with that, though, too. Like they could literally have that type of dog, like be oh, yeah. in the, you know, in the skit. I just, I just think there's so much room for cre- creativity with that. So that's I, I agree. I, with I know. You. I just don't know if Elon wants the heat. You know, maybe he actually. What am I talking about? Of course, he wants the heat with with yeah. regulators. But like, I so I, I mean, Doge is up like forty percent this week again. <laughs> Uh, which is crazy. I thought we were done with that story. Um, and I don't know, man. I, 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 don't even, I don't know. But to me, like my, my prediction is that I don't think, he, I think Doge is not going to be as talked about on SNL. I think he's going to make some Bitcoin jokes and talk about Bitcoin because I feel like, mm-hmm. you know, like, like SNL appeals to a very wide audience, right? Super wide. People that are usually off the internet all the time. It's not, it's not really appealing to like the tech crowd. I feel like Dogecoin is appealing mo- more to like the techie, more you know younger younger crowd but yeah. bitcoin i feel like has kind of infiltrated culture everyone from from my grandma to to my older uncle like they everyone knows about bitcoin everybody knows about bitcoin i feel like so right. jokes about bitcoins bits about you know like 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 jokes and bits and sketches about bitcoins with elon musk might make more sense and appeal to a wider audience the audience that watches snl versus like Versus Dogecoin. You know, if someone even says, mm-hmm. if there was even a Dogecoin joke, would people even get it? Like, would would ninety percent of the audience even get it? Yes, us nerds, we're all we're too like on on the internet. Yeah, we my, get it. My parents don't even know what any of that is. They know what Bitcoin yeah. is, though. Like, I, exactly. I'd say everyone's heard of Bitcoin by now, at least. Like, exactly. Anyone who has a phone. Um, exactly. So, so that's my that's my take. Point. I, but yeah. I mean, I could be wrong. Like, I could be wrong. He could just literally come out wearing a freaking Doge, uh, a Doge dog outfit, and like just start, <laughs> you know, dancing and stuff with Miley Cyrus. And we might have see Dogecoin literally on Saturday night hit one dollar, and everyone, you know, the internet would break. Like, who? Anything is possible with this man. Um, I wish yeah. I was a fly on the wall in the SNL writers' room, but you know, I have a buddy that works there. Oh, sh- okay, bro. Time to make some phone calls. Uh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I just, if my investment strategy was like, hey, I think Elon Musk might talk about Dogecoin for like 30 yeah. seconds on SNL. I'm going to put in $1,000 on Dogecoin. I, can, I can't justify that as a, as a, even as a speculative investment strategy. Yeah. I can't justify that, man. Well, I got a comment. And because I think you're following it more than I was at this time was, you know, wasn't Doge like it had traded down on 420 and that was supposed to be Doge Day? Totally. So that was Very like a point. total, you know, buy the rumor, sell the news event. And you know, that could that could happen again. Um, which is so funny because like how did that even become a thing? I don't ever remember 420 being ever 
anything but what it is. <laughs> How did it Dude, become? Dude, it's just, it, people just wanted, 420 is basically a meme day. So they, they just wanted to take, yeah, they just wanted to combine two or three memes together and make it Doge day. It's, I mean, it didn't work out. So it actually went down. Like you said, mm. perfect, perfect example of buy the rumor, sell the news. And that might be what happens on Saturday night. We might see a double digit drop in Doge on Sunday. I mean, again, we're just we're just bullshitting here. We have, I mean, nobody nobody really knows. I have no idea. Uh, no idea. But I'm just throwing some throwing some predictions out there. hundred percent guarantee. I don't know where the price is going. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I have no idea. It it still it still is it's still mind boggling to me that we're at. I'm gonna look at the the market cap real quick. It's at a fifty billion dollar market cap. Wow! At this time, right now, that's so incredible. It's absolutely incredible. It, literally, a coin made of uh, of a joke uh, is is worth fifty billion dollars. So, you know, I, I don't know what's gonna happen to it, man. But everyone, I mean, all my buddies that are in this, you know, that are like somewhat interested, are always hitting me up, like, "Yo, like, is this is this an SNL thing? Like, is this legit? Like, are we gonna are we about to see are we about to see a dollar on on Saturday?" I'm mm -hmm. like, dude, I don't fucking know, man. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so it is. It's next Saturday. What time yep. does it start? Dude, I have to look it up. I have no idea. Yeah. Maybe 10 30, maybe you know, 10, 10 30. Around there. Yeah. Again, again, like we said last episode, no cap all gains podcast is all about averages. We're at, you know, around there. We we don't have hard numbers ever. Okay. <laughs> we'll say uh it's about 40%, you know. So keep in Close mind, enough. you know, we're not memorizing things. This is a Honestly, it's like a, a riff between me and Zaid. I mean, we got like a couple words written down and then we just start talking. And that's where the way we want to keep it. It's fun. Oh, yeah. It's entertaining. I have so much fun doing this. It's like literally I was looking forward to it all day. Um, Absolutely. But speaking yeah, we're not of taking news, notes here, bro. We're not taking notes. No, we're just fucking no. talking. <laughs> no. Um, speaking of news, you know, we got earnings coming up. More earnings Ooh. this upcoming week. Uh, we got Uber, we got Square. Cash app numbers, obviously, for Square is a huge interest for me. Excited um, about that one. What are you looking forward to? Um, DraftKings and Pen. I, I own both DraftKings and Pen. Um, and we'll be interested to see like what happens with with both mm -hmm. those companies. Um, I mean, you know, sports gambling is is I think going to be huge in America, starting to get bigger and bigger. And these two companies are at like basically the two main main players um so i'm interested to see like what happens what happened over the last three months because with the economy yeah. starting to open back up that people did, did more did more people gamble did gambling slow down like what's going on more people have money now like what's going on with the gambling space in sports super interested to see what went down that's gonna that's gonna you know the last quarter is gonna include the super bowl so there's gonna be some interesting numbers that come out with pen and, and, and DraftKings. Um, so I'm looking forward to those two. And then also Etsy. Uh, I yep. completely, completely missed the Etsy boat, man. Like I was oh, man. straight up. I was like, Etsy, no way. There's, there's no way this is going to catch on. Yes. It's just, I it's love that. Everyone loves Etsy, man. And I just completely missed it. Um, and uh, so I'll inter I'm interested to see what happens with those earnings on with Etsy. <laughs> Etsy. The, thing is, the thing is about Etsy too. And my biggest case for, Etsy was, you know, you don't want to buy your girlfriend or your friend or whatever something off Amazon. Like, that's just a weird gift. <laughs> it's not going to be unique. That's just not what you should do. If you've ever bought anything off Etsy, I, I can't exactly remember what I bought. It was a while ago. Um, but I do. That's the funny part is I remember the packaging. It was so unique. Oh, wow. There was like a, a card, a sticker. Like a handwritten thank you, nice. Um, and and that's what draws people to Etsy, in my opinion, just from like an observational investing standpoint. Is um, I think people are starting to realize, oh wow, I can buy these unique handcrafted gifts off this website. Um, they actually put thought into this, a lot of them, and it's it's such a great, you know way in marketplace to find unique gifts for people versus like you know here's a usb i don't know <laughs> device or something you know off of amazon yeah. um and that was you know one of the biggest biggest bull cases for me observational wise was just um how much thought 
people put into the products. Every time I bought a product off of Etsy, there has been some sort of unique thing. It doesn't just come in, you know, in a box and there's nothing with it. Like there's always some sort of nice tag or something along those lines. No, you're absolutely right, man. It makes a lot of sense. And I just didn't, I just didn't see it that way. And again, I missed the boat. Uh, I'm regretting it. And I, I still don't, I still don't own any Etsy stock. Uh, I never, I never jumped in. Um, so I'm still interested to see like, what are they still like riding high as momentum slowed oh, yeah. down? Uh, it's slowed down a little bit. I mean, I can look it up right here, but it, yeah, it, it, it's had a couple, um, not so great weeks. I mean, kind of with tech and everything, it's at 198 right now. It's just been kind of trading sideways since, uh, around January, you know, the high was 244. So, you know, it, it's been bouncing around. So how about this? I give you my Etsy stock. You give me your Roku stock, and we'll call it. A <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm more bullish on Roku long term than I am yeah. Etsy long term. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, um, and the other one, the other stock that I was, uh, I'm interested in is PayPal. I mean, you already talked about Square. Square. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I love, 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 love Square. Um, and I got in on Square. Thank God when it dipped in March, I literally put all the cash that I had into Square. Best investment I made during during quarantine wow. by far. That's that's um, a trade. It, it, I, I was just like, this company, yes, it's hurting right now because stores are closed down, but like, like it's, it's just too good. And Cash App is too good. Like, everything is too good about Square. I love Square. Uh, shout out to Jack Dorsey. I know that Twitter's a side hustle, Square's his main hustle. And I, I kind of wanted to keep it that way because, like, I love Square. Um, PayPal, though. PayPal is going to be interesting to see, like, you know, what they're doing. What they're doing. I mean, their stock has been on, on an absolute tear. Uh, they're doing yep. some good things. Uh, Venmo, which they own, is, is still a huge player. And um, Venmo is going to allow crypto trading now, or I guess just Bitcoin mm -hmm. and Ethereum and a couple other ones. Yeah, I've noticed so that's that. going to be interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, Pay PayPal and, and Square to me are like the two of the big giants in this in this space. And I own both of them. Uh, so I'm interested to see like, I own a lot more Square than I own PayPal, but mm -hmm. I'm interested to see like, you know, what PayPal is doing. Are they going to keep the momentum going? And um, yeah. I think they feed off each other a little bit. You know, I think everyone's caught up and you have to own one or the other, you know, no, this company is better than another company. I mean, these are two huge companies. There's, <laughs> you know, how many payment transactions that are made like in one day in the United States. It's insane. Right. There, there can be room for PayPal and square to be very profitable, have huge numbers. Um, and they don't, one doesn't have to swallow each other. Everyone's so obsessed in this market with like, one company just you know conquering another company and decimating their market share you know and it doesn't always work like that like these two companies can be great at the same time they can do a little bit different things and have different strategic advantages um 100 and in my opinion sometimes that's what you know square had a huge you know year and a half and i think paypal got brought up with it because some people were like hey i like both of these companies now so that's another thing um, for those even, you know, remotely interested, you know, Monday we got Chegg. I'm just going to name off some of the big names. Okay. So you're informed Tuesday, Pfizer, Skills, Activision. Wednesday, we got Uber, Etsy, Ooh. PayPal. I'm huge on Uber. Uh, oh, Thursday, yeah. Square, Roku, Peloton. That's going to be yeah, very interesting. going to be a good one. Um, Beyond Meat. Friday, we got DraftKings, our favorite, Nicola. I love how they put Nicola on the earnings whisper board when, like, the company's <laughs> complete shit. Oh, yeah. But it's such a meme, and, like, people still want to see how bad it is that, like, that is the trending. Because, uh, I mean, like... Bro, I'm psyched like, for it. I'm there's psyched like 100, for the earnings. <laughs> <laughs> there's, like, 153, like, companies reporting this upcoming week. Yet they choose like Nicola as the flagship for Friday, and it's like that company's horrible. It's just it's on everyone's mind. So that's well, why again, they, is GM also it. reporting this week too? I think GM is also reporting this week. I thought I saw it. Maybe not. GM. Uh, uh, no, I'm not seeing here. it on here. It could be. Okay. I thought I saw GM. Oh yeah, they're reporting earnings on the fifth. Oh yeah, Wednesday. Yeah, okay. Wednesday before open on Wednesday. That's a good one. Um, what, what, I find, what I find interesting too is like some of these companies, like for instance, PayPal and Square, um, 
DraftKings and Penn. Like, why do these companies choose to have their earnings on the same day as each other? Like, th- that is never, I've never, I'm sure there's an explanation, but yeah. I really have never known why competitors choose the same day to report earnings yeah. or like within a day. Like, why would you want that? Um, it's a good question. I have any, no idea. I've never thoughts? thought about it. No, I, I actually have no idea how these dates are are determined. Like who, you know, why, why, like why are all the big tech companies reporting in the same week? Sometimes the same yeah. day, what's going on? I have no idea. That's a very good question. Maybe someone that's way smarter than us can tell us why that is. Uh, Cause I, I'm really interested to know. Yeah. Someone reach out to us and let us know. So we don't sound like complete idiots on this podcast. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're, we're, we're going to sound like completely idiots a couple times, but that's okay. We're here to learn. It's a learning exercise yeah. for us too. You know, we're still oh, learning. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, we're not perfect. Definitely. We're not, we're not, uh, we're not, you know, Charlie Munger. <laughs> you go start your own podcast and explain yeah. <laughs> why uh, earnings are on the same day and then get back yeah. to me. How about that? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, oh man. Well, that was fun, man. Yeah. We're calling it here. Yeah. Let's call it, man. Um, yeah. Any 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 bold predictions for this week? Anything besides earnings you have on on your plate? You, you, are you, what are you going to be looking at specifically this week besides the earnings? Anything else? I, nothing else. Getting getting ready to go back to work soon, um, and that's about it. You know, getting ready for oh, our next man. podcast. <laughs> Absolutely, we're going to have another podcast midweek, and, and yeah, the, yeah. I'm, what I'm going to be watching is seeing um, now that Ethereum's broken three thousand. Does it rally? Do we get a rally? Do we get a big rally yeah. run up to maybe like thirty five hundred? Does it happen this week? Are we going to see any big announcements on Ethereum this week from any big institutional investors? That's what I'll be so. watching for. Yeah, I hope so too. Um, and uh, and then yeah, the earnings. Going to be watching the earnings closely. But uh, yep. yeah, I mean, there's a lot to talk about. I mean, there, you never know. Like you never know some some crazy story pops off in the middle of the week. That's why I love this industry, man. That's why I love markets. That's why I love finance and like this crazy that, world. That is the one great thing about having a finance podcast slash show is like there's never ending content like it's like exactly every day something crazy happens it seems like especially this past year um so exactly Tim, thank you for enjoying the convo so we're gonna end the podcast right now thank you so much check us out check out zade on tiktok he's huge on tiktok admani explains amani underscore explains um you know, this was streamed on YouTube. We would love to get our new YouTube numbers up. Yes, Check sir. us out on YouTube. But if you're, you know, down to listen to us while you're, you know, jogging or whatever, check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you name it. We got it. See you guys on Wednesday. We're going to do this again, a live show on Wednesday. Um, yes, sir. Hope to see you all there. Peace. Awesome. Peace, guys. Daddy gotta show me something.